Welcome to the MA Roadshow, episode number 154. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me. We are in the Casa de Cold Coffee on a beautiful March afternoon in Las Vegas. And special guest with special, us. Special, extra special guest. Oh, wow. ESPN and Five Rounds podcast, Brett Okamoto. I mean, that's what ESPN stands for. Extra special podcast. Don't go there. Let him finish. <laughs> Let him finish. Don't Let go there. Him. Give him a Don't second. Go there. Give him a second. <laughs> Named. Man, I got to tell you, any of the listeners out there who have ever wondered about this podcast, the, the service of the MMA Roadshow is absolutely spectacular. <laughs> I, I I haven't even finished half of a beer yet, and another another cracked cold one is sat right in front of me. Where is I, I can't even get through one? half of a, half of a beer before the next one is in front of me. And that's, that's, that's the type do. of service you want to, you want to find in Las Vegas. I feel <laughs> like, right. Agent H handling business over there. It is since we are in Las Vegas, of course it is a ballast point home, home game. game. This right here that we're, woo, woo, that we're drinking. Woo, 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 woo. Oh, I was oh. thinking we should have like bells and okay, whistles. Okay. <laughs> Our production values <laughs> se- seemingly get worse every week somehow. I, I'm supposed to be like no, improving man. over the, the time. Human sound effects? That's actually like bringing it back. That's See? like old school. Great. Like you know how like in the in the old school radio days, it'd be like he'd have like a little xylophone, like ding ding. <laughs> that was that was Ken right there, man. That was good. That's amazing. All right, well we are having Aloha Scope, and this is a hazy India Pale Ale. By the way, bro, I'm told this is this is, this has only been on the streets of Las Vegas for a week. Only for Boom. a week, and we already got it on the road show for the Ballast Point home okay. game. That's how we do Cold it. Coffee, tell us a little bit more about this tasty Aloha I Sculpin. I will. With Aloha Sculpin, they use Bruck yeast. Yeah, y'all say that. Try to spell it. It's, it's even harder. <laughs> to turn their award-winning IPA into a tropical oasis. Yeah. With bright and refreshing notes of mango, pineapple, and guava. I could definitely taste the pineapple. I tasted the pineapple. Mm. The guava is strong for me. The guava is strong. Yeah, it stands out. Yeah. The yeast yeah. also adds a slight haze to the beer, and it creates the best part, a smooth mouth feel. Yeah, it does. Yeah. To round out its juicy character. Simply put, this is paradise in the palm of your hands. Thank you, Paul. When it is. Oh, no, it this is, is solid. First time we're tasting I got some today. serious mouth feels going on right now. <laughs> I have to have, tell you, you and that is the best. Absolutely expert palates here. Like I, <laughs> I, I was on board with with Tropic. I was tasting some Tropic right. notes, right. and then you're like, "Oh yeah, I, f- I taste the guava." Guava is. You guys drink more beer than I do. What does a guava taste like? I'm not even sure if I've ever eaten a guava. I don't even know what a is guava that the looks green like. One? I was, I was no, just trying to. I was that's trying to sound way. like you know intelligent and. Well, you have good. You have good. Good info because you reached out to Anthony, the best brewer in the world, first to get. Uh, an explanation of how to actually say the the Bruxtois. I was trying to go online and, and try to find it, and I got a mix, <laughs> mixed bag of what you pronounce it. But uh, that was uh, – it's good shit, man. This is really, really good. And I love the fact that we're, we're getting it before anybody else is That's here in Vegas. Up. So if you find the Aloha Sculpin in your area, go out and get it. The Sculpins are a good line. There's a, there's a few different ones. This one's what, 7%? Seven percent. Yeah, man. This, so it's no joke. A hazy India pale ale. So let me tell you about the importance of today, because uh, Brett Okamoto, if you don't know, longtime Las Vegas resident, just like myself, uh, Brett Okamoto spends a lot of time on the road as well. Okay, we yes, we we have we have had beverages of the adult variety on multiple continents around the world, mm-hmm. and yet for for reasons that really well basically boil down to me being kind of a homebody when I'm in Las Vegas because I have a family. Sure. Uh, we've never really had a chance to go out and just hang out. 
we've never had a beer in Las Vegas. And and thankfully, I'm on vacation this week, and you reached out and you were like, hey, we need to we need to make that happen. And and I said, you know what, this works out perfect. We're gonna make you work for it. We're gonna make you sit down and put on a pair of headphones <laughs> and talk yeah. some MMA. I asked to drink beer, and then and then Morgan put me to work. <laughs> but uh. No man, we we go way back to the days when the the road show was literally like a, just a handful of people. Man. Yep. Like just, just yep. I mean na- nowadays it is a traveling uh, circus. It I mean, is. There's a lot of people, which is great. I mean, you, know, you see, you know, twenty, thirty people that you're used to seeing on the road every single uh, UFC card s- somehow. You know, because they're every weekend. But yeah, back in the day, pay per view a month. And it'd be just a handful of people, man. And it was uh, it was a different time. And yeah, we we drank around the world, as you say, Japan, yep, uh, Mexico City. I believe oh. I was on this very show on Mexico City. We drank a lot in Mexico City. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, when when Morgan and I get back to Vegas, we live like literally five seconds from each other. But we're like, nah, we're good. We don't we don't even see each other <laughs> when we're actually home. We need to finally make that happen. It's good. you know, having a kid does that to you. Of course, you got married sure. along the way too, so. We've yep. all kind of grown into into family, man. You got kids on the way soon or what? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Damn, that's a heavy question oh, to throw out. I know, right? Right off Breaking the Breaking news, right off the Can we bat. We get a few more ballast points before <laughs> we get into the into the hard stuff. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, let's I want, let's talk about some MMA. Uh, right before you got here, Brett, uh, I, I want to say they, they they broke the news. The UFC finally made it official that Cyborg and Raquel Pennington are going to fight in Brazil. I'm a little bit shocked by this, to be honest with you. I, I didn't have it on my list to talk about this, but I, I wanted to get your opinion. I, I think you have a level head on you when it comes to matchmaking and plans and all those things. And, and I don't want to disrespect Raquel Pennington whatsoever, man. You know, she's, she's a gritty fighter that has, you know, really kind of turned things around. Her career is on a nice roll. And I think she definitely has earned that spot. And you always hate when somebody has a title shot granted to them and then some kind of freak injury pulls it away from him. And I'm not saying that I definitely or, or that I wanted her to lose that title shot or whatever, but, you know, I thought, you know, Dana White sat up there the other night after UFC 222 and said, hey, you know, to me right now, Cyborg and Amanda Nunes is the fight to make. And I got to say, I'm on board with them because I don't feel like there's any contenders at 145 that are being left behind. I mean, and, and, and no, again, no offense to Raquel Pennington. I'm not saying that she wasn't there. But she'll still be there. And, and I do feel like Amanda Nunes is the fight to make. And if for whatever reason Raquel Pennington is able to beat Amanda Nunes, I'm not signing up for Raquel Pennington's cyborg. Like, that doesn't make sense. So I, I feel like we're risking a fight here that, that we don't need to risk. Am I being crazy? Well, you are being a little crazy because you said Cyborg Pennington. And it's even written on your notes, Cyborg Pennington. No, it's actually Nunez Pennington. I mean, Nunez Pennington. <laughs> Sorry but about that. Everybody, well, li- everybody listening knows that. I Sorry, do, I, I had you know Cyborg. Me. We've known each other long enough. i got to call Thank you Thank you for that. making – well, I, that way I don't have to sound like an idiot. The, 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 the Aloha Sculpins have been fantastic this <laughs> afternoon. We had a few. There was, yeah, there was some pre-gaming yes. happening. No, no, you're right. Nunez Pennington. Nunez Pennington at UFC 224. And here – I mean, here's, here's really the bottom line on this as far as I'm concerned is I am in total agreement with you. Uh, Dana White, it's very clear that, that he says this is the fight to make, right? Amanda mm-hmm. Nunes versus Chris Cyborg. I agree with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyborg, there's not really a whole long list of, of females to to challenge her. And they're all bantamweights anyway. I mean, let's just drop the shtick of, oh, the featherweight division exists. It does not exist. Right. The UFC has not put on a featherweight fight other than a title fight. This was this was means to an end to to promote Cyborg, which which is is fine. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not mm-hmm. even going to bash the promotion for doing that. They needed a way to market Chris Cyborg as a star, so they created a division that essentially does not exist. Um, 
the fact of Amanda Nunes fighting Pennington, I think, brings up another issue, and that is, is the UFC just putting on too many pay-per-views? Because when you have a pay-per-view every month, and you want to headline a pay-per-view every month with a title fight, that means that you are committed to somehow scrounging together a title fight every month. And what we've seen is that that's not always really the case. Right. Is that they sort of have to pull one out of nowhere. And they're not doing that with this. That They're not pulling this out of nowhere. Raquel Pennington, like you mentioned, is completely deserving of a title shot. But... If they weren't putting on a pay-per-view every month and they weren't obligated to say, hey, we're going to Rio and we need a main event for this, they probably would not be putting on this fight. They probably would be just waiting to set up the super fight. And so it kind of sets up this double-edged sword where it's like we have consistent in, uh, consistent events and just, just the idea of having an event down to Rio in May, that's, that's a great idea, but, but we need a main event for it. And, they and, sort you, of, and you prefer a Brazilian headliner in Brazil, obviously. So you're forced to react short-term instead of long-term. Mm-hmm. And long-term, what is the best fight? It's, it's Cyborg versus Nunes right now. I agree. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And it kind of walks me into what I wanted to ask you about as well is before we kind of had this breaking news of the Cyborg-Pennington fight. <laughs> no, crazy. Yeah, crazy. No, I, I got to get back right? to my computer, man. There's, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Cyborg-Pennington. Uh, what a common idiot. All right. Uh, but listen, <sighs> no, you know, I did want to ask you about this. Is, is So here we are. We have this week off, right? The reason we're hanging out this week is so we have a week off. And it's nice, right? I mean, it, it's it's nice to have a little break in the action. But I, I do wonder kind of what you think. I mean, because all the discussion lately has been, is it too many events? And it's kind of weird because I do feel like more events aren't necessarily a bad thing. Like, I don't even really have a problem with weekly events if you want to do weekly events. I mean, I thought that the, the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series was fun where we had eight straight weeks of that. Uh, when we had the Ultimate Fighter Live back in the day and you had a couple of – I mean – I could do with shorter cards maybe, maybe not 13, 14 fights every single week, but I'm not one of those guys that feels like there necessarily needs to be less events. I think more programming and more slots for people to fight and build themselves isn't necessarily a bad thing. I know you're a baseball fan of Colorado Rockies, guys. I've never heard anybody, I mean, not seriously, say, we need to have less than 162 games, you know what I mean? But I will say this, pay-per-views. Maybe there's too many pay-per-views, right? Like maybe – so. What do you think? The argument about too many events and and then maybe, as you said, when you're being forced to matchmake in a way that doesn't necessarily make sense for divisions, it just makes sense for TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think... um you know, for a long time, everybody is, has been talking about oversaturation and whether or not that's a thing or not. And I, I think, like, in this day and age, um, when you've got ESPN getting ready to start ESPN Plus, uh, a a digital streaming platform that they need content. Mm. You have Amazon entering uh, negotiations with the UFC. You have um, Fox, you know, launching Fox Go. I don't think that there's necessarily this need to scale back on content because content is still king mm-hmm. and, and, and people are willing to pay for content. They need, like it used to be, you know, I, I come from, from ESPN, obviously. I've been there for, for seven, eight years. And... It's like, oh, we have this much time to fill. We have this much time to fill. We have like a, you know, an hour-long sports center. We have this or this or this, you know. And in the summer, it's like sports slowdown, so we have time to fill, et cetera, et cetera. That's not really the case anymore. Time is just, it, it doesn't exist anymore. It, the the platform is the platform. You watch it when you want to watch it. Right. And so I think that to all of a sudden scale back on content is is foolish. It's not what you want to offer these these different networks. 
one 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 plus about ES, uh, about um, the UFC is that they are a fight company, but they're a media company. They they're a content right there. They're man. a content creator. It's a media company. However, what you mentioned, a pay per view every month. I just don't think in this day and age that people are are necessarily getting on board with pay, with paying seventy dollars a month to watch a pay per view that has been watered down. And I think that you can almost reinvigorate the pay-per-view market by saying, you know what, we're going to have four UFC pay-per-views a year. Wow. Almost like a WWE yep. situation, you know? And I'm not a WWE fan, so forgive me if I get this wrong. But you, what do you have? you got Royal Rumble. you got WrestleMania. You've got – what are the other two? There's just two, two other SummerSlam, ones. SummerSlam, is that one? SummerSlam. SummerSlam, that's one. Because I'm not a WWE guy either, so I apologize. Get – people to get excited about buying a pay-per-view rather than being like, oh, I have to buy a pay-per-view. If I want to watch so a, a title fight this month, I have to pay for pay-per-view. No. Be like, oh, man, like I just one more month until the next UFC pay-per-view where I know I'm getting two title fights, mm-hmm. I'm getting this, that, or, or whatever. Create some buzz around them again. That used to be what the feeling was around some of these UFC pay-per-views, and now they're like, they're so rare. And they're so committed to like having to have one every month that they're sort of throwing things together. How many times have we seen a situation in which UFC is like tr- just trying to find its main event? An, an interim that's title fight how, made out of need. Of, yeah, that's not of how a pay-per-view should be. You shouldn't right. be trying to find a main event. You should be like, this is our kick-ass main event that we are providing to our fans for only $70. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, I hope that whoever they end up with – in their new TV deal, can can make that work financially and can appreciate that as well, and the UFC can make that work as well. I mean, we've seen the investor documents. I think the UFC realizes they don't necessarily want to be on that roller coaster ride of, of pay-per-views up and down. But, you know, this week – so I say I'm cool with weekly events. I'm fine. If we want to do a card every week, I'm cool with that. But I will say this. Having, having a week off like this, it has allowed for – for guys like Sean O'Malley, for for Mackenzie Dern, even for Brian Ortega, who's a relatively new face to a lot of people, to kind of get that afterburn, you know what I mean? To kind of get that build afterwards. Sometimes I feel like we're moving so fast in this yep. that normally, I mean, if this was a normal week, you know, we'd be talking about whatever the next event is. Yep. Instead, fortunately, we're you know fucking up headlines because we've had too many Aloha <laughs> scopins. But you know. well, I think, and then that goes to show, like, there's a lot of times when you know go to work an event because there's so many events, and somebody's like. What's what's on the card? Who else do you like on the card? You're like, oh shit. Well, let me look. Oh, you gotta think about. I it. haven't even had a chance to look, you know. And that's, it's unfortunate, but maybe that's a fortunate thing that we're lucky enough that there is so many events that we don't have to, you know, prepare or wait for so long for new stuff to come at us. It's we're constantly being bombarded, but in the same sense, you know, we don't get the build up. We don't get that longing that you know, when you wait for an right. event. You know, if you if you only got an event once every, say, two or three weeks, there's a build up. There's an anticipation. There's an excitement level that sort of builds. And right now with, I think, this whole, in a sense, oversaturation, the fact that it, it kind of becomes just like uh, a constant noise that you don't really think about that half the time you find yourself ignoring it because there's just so much until you're forced <laughs> to kind of pay attention. Well, it's not just us, too. I mean, even think, you know, if there's always criticism about the USC's ability to build stars. I mean, yeah. we're all very close with USC staff because we all live here in Las Vegas. You can see, I mean, they're struggling. You know, you think about like the PR teams, the marketing teams. They're struggling sometimes to keep their head above water. I mean, when you're going from from weekly event to weekly event to weekly event, they're not necessarily long-term planning yeah. and big picture thinking. I mean, they're they're grinding just to keep their head yeah. above water. And and that's what I think honestly a huge problem is when the USC gets criticized for not building stars the right way. I don't think people realize first of all, you can't just pick somebody and be like, you know, Brett, you're going to be a star. You know what I mean? It, it, it does have to happen a little yeah. bit organically. I don't right. think you can necessarily just completely manufacture stars. But 
if the UFC is falling short sometimes, I think it's just because they're so damn busy trying to keep up with things that, that sometimes the big picture gets lost. That's And, and I, I will speak as just for a, a former employee on that side when it came to typical week-to-week stuff. There's so much stuff coming at you. You, you can't look – you don't have the forethought or the chance to really look two, three, four weeks out in advance mm-hmm. because you're constantly, what is this week? What is due this week? What do we need to look at? You know, we did talk to uh, Fiasco and some of the guys talking about, you know, they would actually get together and be like – The Pepsi guy? Yeah, the Pepsi guy. Who, 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 who are these stars? Who are the people that we should focus on? And they were almost asking us. Right. Like, who are you guys think are the people? Because they're trying to look at it, but they, literally they're, they're so busy and so swamped with the day-to-day that they have to do just to cover that week that they don't have the luxury half the time to really look – to, to 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 look at the people ahead, so to have actually the the time to actually so breathe, to look, to to think ahead, and it sucks because it's those people, it's those guys that are actually doing it. You know, I mean, I th- we see we know Shelby, and we know these cats are looking always at these guys. They're always out there grabbing new talent. They're always going and getting new things, but they're not putting the promo pieces together. They're not putting the other, you know, all these. Uh, pieces together that that really help bring these people mm-hmm. up. I think the the problem with there is it's the lack of communication when it comes to say even roster changes. Mm-hmm. I remember all of a sudden, you know, there was never any big like fanfare to do when fighters got let go. Mm-hmm. You kind of just found out that fighters got let go. You know, say if you had a project in mind you're like, "Oh, I want to work at this part. I have a video of this idea of Pat Barry. Oh, I can't wait to do it." And then one day I walk through a hallway. I know, whatever. I just we pulled, just cut I Pat, just pulled Barry, Pat Barry. But it's, that's that's exactly it. Because I remember one day shooting an interview in the studio and then walking out in the hallway and there was a box. I remember taking a picture. I never shared it because I thought it was just – I thought it would be kind of callous on my part. But it was like fighters that were cut or no longer – I forget what the name on the box was. But it was something as cut and dry as released fighter, whatever, and seeing all these folders – of all these names. And I remember thinking like, holy shit, this guy's no longer with us. This guy's no longer with us. There's no communication all the way through the organization of who's there, who's coming, who's still around. You know, half the time, I mean, I know guys that come to us, me now, and say, oh, I get the news of whatever from you guys. I'm like, you're internal. How can you possibly be getting that's, the news? I think that's a big problem. You know? The company's getting so big. I mean, like you said, the Shelby, the Maynards of the world, they get, I mean, they understand who the talent is, who they're picking up. But does that necessarily mean that the people running editorial at USC.com get it? Does that mean that right. the people at PR understand that the guy that's on the prelims today is somebody that we believe down the right. road could be a huge you know, and imagine, megastar? Like, and, and Shelby's not going to be like, oh, hey, yeah, reach out to me. Ask me every day who these people, because he's already got so much shit oh. going on. It's not like we could ever be like, hey, Sean, can we just sit you down? Let's let's spotlight three to five people a, a week or a day. When you have a roster that's over, what, 400, 500 people that's constantly yeah. evolving, it would be a nonstop full-time job just for him to kind of give the heads up on who can who should I look at. Who's this? I mean, he would never, ever get to it, you know. So it's tough. I think that's what the best part, and I think that's the, the uh, uh, I guess, a, an eventual job of what it provides a function for what us as media do is to find these people. Because I feel like the promotion itself is never going to do the job that's needed. They're never, they're never going to do it at a level that's uh, best suited for the fighters to give them that notice. So I just wish that maybe they provide better access for us to, to gain access maybe access to the roster You're to a look. selfish videographer i am a selfish videographer well i will say this though like because you guys do a great job at junkie of of getting video of every single person on the card but 
what started off this conversation was, are there too many cards? And I think it's um, there. There's plus and minuses like anything in this world, right? Um, when you are having a card every week, it is just hard to get people to care about them. Yeah. And and it used to be that, you know, in the absence of a card every single weekend, it did open the door of like even as a fan, it allowed you to. Be like, okay, there's not something like going on this weekend, so there's a, a card up ahead like two weeks from now. Um, and it, it just allowed you to invest a little bit more. Like I remember prelim fights did used to mean a little bit more. Like if a guy was going through something – like Ronnie Yaya had an amazing story recently, yeah. right? His mother his mother passed away. Yeah. He's trying to, to deal with that in a fight camp. Five years ago, that's a big story. Right. And people are paying yeah. attention to that, and they're like, oh, my God, this guy's mother passed away during his camp. He goes to deal with the funeral and still keeps the fight on. Yep. That's an incredible story. Amazing. Right? Based on the fact that there's a card every weekend and there's 12 fights on every single card, that got buried. You know? Very quickly. And, and, and again, I, I'm still sitting here saying that if you're Amazon out there and the and the UFC is bringing you a content package of saying like, hey, we can bring you an event every single weekend, and we can bring you, you know, this 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 preview show based on that event, and we are just going to light you up with content. I'm sure that's attractive to uh, a, a, a media company like yeah, like Amazon. How many hours can you provide me? However, it just makes it. Far more difficult, and then you know the the whole Reebok thing comes into deal with everybody looks the same, and it's just like it is so hard to stand out in this sport. And yeah. I, I I spoke about like I wrote about that with Mackenzie Dern and Sean O'Malley and Brian Ortega even, and I was like the the narrative that you're hearing out there in the sports world, and I get this at the ESPN all the time is is you know I'll I'll talk to to people at ESPN and they're like well where are the stars coming up where are they, I'm like well here's three potential ones right however. You know, these guys go out, and, and Mackenzie Dern won her fight, and I was actually impressed by her because she was unable to get it to the ground and do what she wanted to do, but she dug deep. Right. She yep. showed a winner's mentality. Yep. That's what you want out of a prospect, a 24-year-old prospect who is still developing her skills and, and is raw and is not going to look good in a lot of different situations. Here is a woman who found, you know, and she's fighting someone in Ashley Yoder who is highly motivated to beat her. Yep, yep. And she found a way to win. And it wasn't always pretty, but she found a way to win. I think that's impressive, but immediately a lot of people are like, oh, that, that, you know, all that hype was for nothing. And, and I think that that's, that's a oh, very so difficult tough. thing that this sport is dealing with is, is the need to provide a lot of content to, to the next, the highest bidder. But when you do that, you drown out a lot. You set very high expectations, and you set a, a, a situation where it is so hard to break out. So why, where are all the stars? They're there. But it's just hard for them to break out. So I yeah. did a radio spot earlier today um, with a, a station up in, in Washington, and, and one of the things they asked me was, uh, "What has O'Malley been rushed too much, right? Like, are, are they rushing this guy too quick? You know, he's 23 years old. He went straight from Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series to a main card slot, a tough finale, to a pay-per-view, and, and, and they love him. And, of course, he's got the Snoop Dogg thing and the Dana White thing. And, and, and the question was, has he been pushed too much? And, and I said, listen, the way I see things is, you, ha if you're the UFC, you have to push guys quickly, right? I mean, even Conor McGregor has only had ten UFC fights, right? I mean, you don't have a, a choice because everybody in the sport loses. Everybody in the sport loses, and I don't think you have the luxury because you're right. Everybody is looking for that new star, and and it's hard to, to get people that are on the Conor McGregor level, the Ronda Rousey level, the Brock Lesnar level. Like that's tough. 
But I feel like if you're the UFC, you don't have a choice but to push people quickly because I, th- I think you've you got to have people kind of be a shooting star. And, yes, maybe they'll crash to earth at some point, but I just feel like you got to catch that lightning in a bottle when you can because I, I don't think this is a kind of sport where you can necessarily, like, slow burn people to the top. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and the counterpoint or a, a part of that, I remember when the UFC uh, years back – that was their whole justification of why they were going to have fight nights, why they were going to have on Foxes, and why they're going to have pay-per-views. And it was supposed to be a tiered level of how they were going to build fighters right. up. You know, they'd start on the, the fight nights, and then eventually they'd move to the Foxes. And then, you know, when they're ready for the big time, they would go to the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. And then you see guys like, yeah, like an O'Malley, which makes sense where he should have been doing – if they followed that tier, he would have been on a, a fight night. Then he would have worked through Fox. And then he would have went to the pay-per-view. Whereas here, they got fast-tracked. Dern got fast-tracked. She made her debut on a pay-per-view where if they stuck to this model that they thought was going to help promote these fighters and push them up, she would have started on Fight Night. And that was part of it, I think, was to build value in why Fight Nights needed to be. You know, why Foxes still need to be and they need to have these sort of things. So it's weird. I still feel like the UFC is still trying to figure it out themselves. You know, they get these ideas of how they, they thought be the best way to build these fighters. And then they get to the point where they realize, oh, hey, this person has marketability. Fuck it. We got to throw him on the paper. Well, look, I mean, a guy yeah. like Ortega. I mean, Ortega is a guy that's, that's kind of been slow build, right? I mean, if anything, he's been a slower burn. Now that 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 move has gotten really fast lately, yeah. but right. he's been around for a while. And of course, he had the suspension to start out with. So that may have been part of the false start or whatever. But I mean, I, I think all of us sitting here in this room right now, we can say, dude, Ortega Holloway can't. Yeah. Wait. Can't it's wait awesome, that fight. It's, it's amazing. Awesome fight. But for the casual fan who, let's be honest, makes up the majority of the audience, right. yeah. there's probably more excitement around Dern and O'Malley right now than right. there is around Ortega, right? It's interesting. Maybe. I mean, I think that's what ultimately – I think what some of these, like, foxes or fight nights might be to explain for the casuals. You know, like, if it's a matter of taking Ortega – Maybe he should have headlined a fight night somewhere if it makes sense when he, you know, right now he's already been sort of fast track. It doesn't make sense now when everybody's like he's got he's the next guy that's challenging. Is there a way at some point to realize, all right, this is a, this is a rising star. We have to throw him on a headline because then somebody's like, oh, this person's headlined a card. I have to pay attention now. Whereas now they're like. I don't know. I just know he's beat this guy. This guy, he's he's undefeated. And well, there, I guess there's there's another case of how sometimes the UFC's need to fill a pay-per-view every month is hurting them. Right. Because why was Brian Ortega fighting Frankie Edgar right. on, on, on UFC 222? Because they needed a fighter. They had to scrap the pay-per-view. Because they right. had to figure out a solution to their pay-per-view right. after, after Max Holloway got hurt. I mean, in order to build Brian Ortega the best, in, in an ideal world, forget, forget everything else, in an ideal world, where would Brian Ortega have defeated Frankie Edgar on free television? Yes. On a network, t- on a network television. Here's, you got a guy who's 27, who's finishing all his fights, got a great story. Where do you want that to take place? Fox do you want it event, to take Fox place on a, on a pay-per-view that, that Chris Cyborg and, Yuna and Yana Kunitskaya is headlining? No, no, you want it to take place on, on, on a fight night. Yep. And, and, to the, and, and in USC's defense, they, they, they explored that. They wanted Ortega to fight in Orlando on February 24th. But it, here again, it's just like, well, we got to fill a pay-per-view. Gotta so, pay-per-view. And now Brian Ortega yep. will fill in. And it's like, yeah, and now Brian- Frankie Edgar, a legend of the sport, ultimately kind of gets dicked over because he's man enough to step up and take a fight yep. that he really shouldn't have had to take. 
No, he shouldn't have had to take. And honestly, I think Max is 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 at a detriment in this situation as well because he kind of misses out on on the Frankie rub. I mean, a lot of mm. a lot of what builds a star is like you got to beat legends. You beat a bunch of legends. How did John Jones get so big? He stormed through all those legends, man. Yeah. Shogun, oh, Rampage, Rashad Evans. Now Max Holloway, what he beat he beat Jose Aldo twice. One of which was on short notice right. because Frankie Edgar yep. got hurt. You know, it's like. The UFC's strategic building is dictated by their schedule, not by their talent. It should be the other way around. Such a great it should point. be like you yeah. have talent. How should we build it? Yeah. No. Their entire fucking program is built on we have a schedule. How do we fill that schedule? And it's yeah. backwards. I hadn't even considered that, man. That's such a great point because you talk about, you know, if, if Holloway does beat Ortega, all of us sitting here are going to be like, oh, my God, that was an impressive victory. But most people are going to go, eh, I mean, this Ortega guy wasn't all we thought he was going to be. Right. But if he beats Frankie Edgar, the man, the the answer, the legend that's been yeah. around, you get that rub. Man, I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. You're so right. That does that costs especially, Max Holloway. Yeah, well, especially if, if, if Frankie and Brian was the main event, of a, even of a random-ass fight night somewhere, that would be – that victory right there, not only does it build Brian, but also, I mean, even though – a loss is a loss when it comes to Frankie, but to lose a headline event as opposed to losing a co-main slot, I think still carries more weight and it pushes more props back onto Frankie. I mean, not that we all need to push props. Everybody knows what Frankie is, but the fact that if going into for the casuals, if seeing Brian Ortega as a victory, winning the main event of even a random ass whatever event, going into a Max Holloway event, the casuals, I mean, I, know, I don't know how many times you probably hear multiple people that are like, why should, why is this guy? Who's this guy? Yeah. Has he is has he been the main event? I mean, I I hear people all the time they're like, well, I, I don't mean, see I don't see the event a lot, but not well, yeah, but that's that for that people that one. know it. But I mean, like people want to see they want to see the name, they want to see what well, what event was he the main whatever. Yeah. Anytime somebody gets near the top, they want to see these multiple uh, references of the the person being the vent with their name, right? The vent their name, you know. So it sucks that they don't take the time. And you're right, I think it's a great point. Where they're they're instead of being focused around the stars, put them on events that could be maybe a smaller card, uh, like a fight night card for say even like uh, Tisha Torres. Like if that was a, a fight night main event or something, that would have been a good. Spot. You know, it would have been a better spot to where even if you take a loss, you still lost a main event as opposed to losing whatever. You know, that would have been a good main event. It, it sucks that uh, you know with the way that their schedule is being built that so many of these fighters, as opposed to What's the best trajectory path for them to where whether a win or a loss, they still maintain momentum? Mm -hmm. You know, it's so many of these guys are getting thrown to the wolves in a sense because they have to fill a schedule gap so that they lose the story arc. You know, they lose. And if it's about a story arc for each particular character, then it gets a little bit better. Look, look at Yuna Kunitskaya. Uh, I, I keep calling her Yuna. Yana Kunitskaya. Look, look at Yana. She just lost to Cyborg in a main event. She, she was part of a – I mean – she headlined a, a UFC pay-per-view. Yeah. What do you think her next fight will be? It'll be buried. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be buried somewhere. Yeah. No one knows who Yuna Kunika Yana Kunika <laughs> No one knows who No Yana one says her name right either. No. Uh, <laughs> that may be the ballast. In fairness, you didn't report point. Cyborg Pennington, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't, done the, I haven't done the dumbest thing on this podcast yet. Yeah. A couple more Yunas and I will. But, but that's the thing. Like – Yana, you, I mean, no one knows anything about her yeah, after after that fight. She headlined a UFC pay per view. No one knows her. 
her next fight will be buried somewhere on on some some pay per view prelim or some or a random fight night, fight night in the middle. Yeah, you know, it's just there's there's no long term thinking because yeah. it all has to be short term because they have a schedule to fill. Like if Sean Shelby was sitting right here telling us how is he filling his schedule, he's like, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get by. I'm, tr- yeah. I'm trying to put these fights together. I'm That's trying it. to I'm trying to fill these events, save the events. Yeah, you're putting Sean Shelby, your matchmaker, into a position where he his main goal is to just fill. Yeah. Don't fill. Build. You know, mm-hmm. promote. That's what it is. And that's a problem. And and again, I don't think there's necessarily too many cards, but they have to address this somehow because the way it's working is you're not building anything. You're just yep. you're just you're just you're just putting together fights in the hope that someone like someone crazy like Brian Ortega, who, you know, don't forget, has been very close to losing a lot. Oh yeah. He has yep. been on the verge of defeat so many times and he has somehow risen to it because of skill and a little bit of luck yep you know so that's what you're hoping for in terms of building a star and that is it, it i guess it's one way to build a star but it's probably not the best way to build one so brett i want to ask you i mean working for espn uh you know i don't know if people can tell by your coverage or not but i mean you're a fight fan you 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 get the sport you understand the sport and you follow all the stories in the sport you know what i mean but you're only allowed so much space it's not mma junkie where we can write about every single fighter on the card, you know, you're just not granted that opportunity. So I wanted to kind of ask you what it is, because we're talking about building stars, and we're talking about focus and, and that sort of thing. How do you go about picking who you're focusing on, what stories you write? Because I, I saw, and I will say this was kind of cool, uh, you know, maybe again because we had this extra week here, but, you know, you you got a chance to go back and do a follow-up with Andre Sukumtat, who wasn't even a star or a winner, you know, but, but you, you know, you're picking an angle that's, that's incredibly interesting and, and that was fun. So I just wonder, I mean, you're trying to balance, I guess, the biggest names possible, but I know you're somebody that gets some of the the sub stories that are that are that are brewing under the surface. How do you go about your gig with ESPN of of picking who gets that that big shine of that ESPN spotlight? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's it's there's a lot of um, you know rocket science into it. You uh, you cover the the main events, and quite frankly, if I'm being totally honest, some of the main events are, as you know. There are fights that we would have seen on the prelims right. a while back, you know, and, and but but their main events and and every fighter has a story. I mean, all these guys are interesting. You never, you very very rarely in case like you run into a situation where a fighter's having like a bad weight cut or they're just like, you know, in a bad mood or something. You you very rarely run into a situation in which a fighter just gives you absolutely nothing to write about, you know, as you know and as Junkie knows, and that's why they put out stories on all these guys because there is a story to tell about all of them. Yep. At ESPN, it's it's about um, it's about covering the the home runs as 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 you as you could probably guess. Um, but like you said, man, I mean, I mean, ESPN is is it opens up doors uh, because because it's ESPN and it is the only sport that I cover, and I'm right here in Vegas. So, it, I mean, it's probably what people what most people would expect. I mean, I'm trying to find the biggest stories. I'm I'm constantly chasing news like everybody else, yep. like any any other reporter. And I'm trying to find the best stories, and a lot of these guys do have have great stories. And it's just about trying. The my biggest um, challenge probably is that I am the only writer at ESPN, right? And so there is just a certain amount of uh, obligation to oh, there's a fight this weekend, so what do we have about this fight? But then trying to circle back on the cases you know that you brought up, you know, just not letting these stories. Because there's there's great stuff that happens every weekend. Yeah. There's great stuff that happens every weekend, and th- and then we never circle back. We always we always just move on to the next 
finite. Right. You know, and and and, and Bellator's got a card on Friday, and UFC has a card on Saturday, yeah, right. and there's no time to it, appreciate their the product of mixed martial arts has never been better. Right. It's so good. The evolution of the sport has been great. Um, there used to be, uh, and there still are. There, there used to be prelim fights though in the UFC that were just god awful, and there still are occasionally. But um, every every night you you have you have multiple fights that you want to see and that matter and that are relevant, but they don't feel like it sometimes the next week because no one's talking about them. They're only yeah. you know they're talking about the next the next event. You you know you said something perfect there, and I, and I wanted to touch on it later, but but I'll ask it now. I mean. I feel like what's really been interesting about the first part of this year and then kind of this week after last week is that there's been this narrative that like MMA is at its worst point ever, right? The UFC, the popularity is trailing off. There's no stars. Nobody cares about the sport. Viewership is down. I still argue that a little bit because I do believe domestically it's tailing off, but I believe internationally there's still a lot of opportunities and growth and that sort of thing. But at the same time, I've seen some stories this week about, oh, my gosh, look at all the young talent that's coming into the UFC. So it's felt like this weird battle, like, oh, my God, you know, the mixed martial arts and UFC is tailing off. And I couldn't disagree more. Now, I'm not a, a viewership expert. I'm not going to pretend to have, like, all the ratings numbers and all the pay-per-view sales and all that. But I, I feel like – I don't know if the popularity is necessarily tailing off, but I do feel like, as you just said, man, I mean, there are monsters coming up in every gym around the world right now that have been, like, you know – training since they were kids and that have and that understand now too that this is a sport not just about wins and losses but it's a sport about entertainment you know it's about you know being a guy that's not afraid to wag your hands down low a little bit that's not afraid to throw some spinning shit you know what I mean that's not afraid to to put on a show as well as just grind a dude into the ground and hold him down for 15 minutes so as you said I feel like globally I mean, damn, KSW's putting on some good shows Fight Night's Global's putting on I mean they're finding talent in these far-flung areas I feel like the sport has never been better in terms of talent. So it's just been kind of an interesting, you know, balance between those two narratives that the UFC is sucking or MMA is sucking, but yet the talent is better than it's ever been. How, how have you kind of interpreted the way this year has started? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I just said, as you agreed with, that the product, product has never been better. Um, I do think that there are just systematic problems with uh, the way it's it's set up. Right. And that's leading to a difficulty in creating stars and having guys stand out. I don't know, man. I, I, I like, like you and I, we're all sitting here talking about these problems, right? These problems we can identify. I don't know what the solution is, though. I right. honestly don't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, I think you got to give uh, all these fighters opportunities, and by having a lot of shows, you're giving these fighters opportunities. So, so that's good. But, I mean, if no one, if, if like 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 my my friends, my brother, and my family. Like if I, if I if I if I brought up to them like 10 names in the UFC that I'm slightly excited about, do I think that any of them know what those names are? Probably right. not. No. <laughs> right. And it it did not used to be that way. Yeah. It used to be like like yep. you would bring up a couple names, the top names, and people would be like, "Oh yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, I know Tito Ortiz. I might, I might not be able be to recite his resume to yeah. you, but I, I, I know, I, I know that. I'm excited about that. Yeah. That's that's why like, like Bellator is able to pull ratings on these on these guys because, yeah. you know, UFC has to figure out how to get back to that. They have to get, they have to find find a way to get back to like we need. 20 guys who, who who people are excited about. You know, I mean, the casual fans they just don't they don't know who these guys are, which is unfortunate because they're very talented. And they mm -hmm. they got great stories, but. 
So, I mean, like booking a Krokop versus Nelson, for instance, as weird as that sounds, like, I mean, I, I kind of get, I mean, Bellator does good views when Tito fights. They'll do amazing views. If, of course. If, if 50-year-old Chuck Liddell comes back and fights, they'll do amazing views. Yeah. It is weird, right? Like, you know, the, the talks of Brock Lesnar coming back, like, I don't. I'm not excited about the thought of Brock Lesnar coming back and the fact that I'm like, man, can you imagine if Brock comes back and we match him up with there ain't a name. There ain't a name. But I wouldn't hate it either. Like, I've kind of come it's, – it's funny because it's been 10 years since Brock first debuted. And when he first came to the UFC, I'll never forget, I was, I was the purest. I was like, fuck this, man. We don't need Brock Lesnar. This WWE oh, yeah? guy – oh, man, I hated it. We don't <laughs> – this WWE guy coming in the UFC. Like, oh, I so you love the Frank Mir one. I, I loved it. <laughs> loved it, loved it. Mazagati's my dog, boy. You know what I'm saying? You know? No, you know, it's just, I, I, you know, and understandable that, you know, he did have legit collegiate, you know, wrestling background credentials. It's not a CM Punk situation, no offense to CM Punk, uh -huh. because I'll be honest with you, I'm okay with CM Punk fighting again, too. Uh -huh. I'm okay with the idea of Brock Lesnar coming back because I get it. I feel like we're no longer in a position where we need to worry that MMA and wrestling, people don't know the difference. I think people do know the difference. And, and, and I feel like I'm okay – I don't understand why Brock Lesnar is as big of a star as he is. I'm not going to lie. I don't understand why he's as big of a star as he is. No, but you know what? I can't deny it. I see the clicks. I see the video views. I see the response. I see. So he is a star. So if he wants to fight in the UFC again, I'm okay with that because I feel like it gets the O'Malley's, the Derns, the, the Ortega's, maybe a few eyeballs that somebody will hang on to. Well, that I feel like it used to be a situation in which the UFC could get somebody like Brock Lesnar is like, here's a gift. Here, here's a gift of some guy who is uh, massive, coming over from the WWE. Like, like, but now it's almost like they're relying on that. It's right. almost, it's almost like, like, oh, all these great fights have been going on, but no one cares. So, uh, here's Brock Lesnar. You know, the 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 feeling of Brock Lesnar has changed. When Brock Lesnar first came in, it was like, oh, this is exciting. Let's see what happens. Now it's like a, now it's like a, a lifeline being thrown out to the sport. It's true. You know, and, and the UFC – George St. Pierre in similar fashion, right? I mean, yeah. that – The UFC should, needs to ask itself, like, uh, if the big, biggest fights we can put on are a WWE guy who has only fought once in the last, what, five years, mm -hmm. and George St. Pierre who's only fought once in the last five years, what are we doing wrong? I mean, they need to address that. And, again, I don't know what the answer to, to that is because, like I said, their product is very good. But they, they need to find out what the answer to that is, man, because that's not good if, if, if your biggest fight of, of last year – was Conor McGregor in a boxing match and George St. Pierre coming back to fight Michael Bisping, man. That's tough. Well, uh, we're talking about a lot of tough things. Cole Coffee, you know what's easy? What? Health IQ is easy. Health IQ is easy. The MMA Roadshow is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians, not like us, get lower rates <laughs> on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash road to support the show and get your free quote. It's all about better science, guys. Health IQ spent years gathering the science and data to prove the health conscious deserve lower rates. Over 1 million people took their Health IQ quiz and formed the basis for the scientific analysis of the relationship between health and health knowledge. They took all the years of data and science on the health conscious to the top carriers 
and partnered with them to get the lowest rates on life insurance for the health conscious. That sounds pretty complicated, but it let, is, me, let me break it down. Let me break it down. What it is, you, you reach out to, to the folks at Health IQ, and they take you on a journey. They learn about your lifestyle. They learn about your choices. Like when I called them and explained to them my lifestyle and my choices, they hung up on me, as they should have. <laughs> but for most people... They wouldn't hang up on me. No, they didn't hang up on me. I'm kidding. I love the people at Health IQ. But for most people, what they do is they kind of learn about you. You can, you can do things like... Uh, take lifestyle quizzes you could submit actual data like race results if you do like run keeper apps like that you could submit that data and it's kind of like getting good driver rates when you call uh, a, a, an auto insurance company and you explain to them you know you've got this track record was it progressive that does that thing where they track your driving yes, around what that's true it's exactly what it's like they take actual real data and they go oh my gosh this guy is not john morgan we should give him a low <laughs> insurance rate so if you're health conscious they will help you out with the underwriting so everyone understands the specific stats and information. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash road or mention the promo code road when you talk to a Health IQ agent. All right, Brett, well, listen, since we've been talking about all these kind of, you know, just keeping it low-key, fun, having a good time, talking about things, and we've been having fun. I feel like we've been talking about some pretty heavy <laughs> topics here. Heavy. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I just want to keep it in the same vein with just this kind of, you know, high heavy energy, fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, All right. You were at the John Jones hearing. I was going to say, let's talk drug shit. I was at the John Jones hearing. <laughs> let's, uh, let me let me get your impression. Myself and, and Cold Coffee, the way that we wanted to be there, number one, I, I will say, but there was just the way the schedule worked out, unfortunately, we, we both had to kind of stay back. We've had some – some staffing issues over the last couple of weeks have been made junkie. They've been kind of tough to the deal j- with. The, but the jet, uh, just the, the junkie jet was a little <laughs> low on fuel. Yeah, it was getting what? serviced. It was getting serviced. <laughs> so we had to stay home. We had to watch it. Uh, we had to watch the feeds that everybody was out there providing. But uh, thank you, I MMA Media, that yep. actually covered it. For thank you, the feeds MMA up. Media, streaming it. Uh, but but I wanted to ask you kind of what your feel was. And I'm, I mean, obviously, it's we I mean hell. We could sit here for hours and talk about this. But I want to get your overall feel because. Uh, it was such a, a weird and, and heavy situation, and I, from the beginning, have said I thought John Jones was going to get two years. That's that's been my prediction from the beginning, and and the weird thing is, I honestly, I honestly don't think John Jones is a cheater. I really don't. Now, whether you want to call it bad luck, whether you want to call it uh, just him not paying attention to what's going on around. I, I, he calls it science. Science? Whether you call it science kicking his ass? Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. I, but I just – I was shocked that there was not more of a defense. I mean, I, listen, I have been in situations where I have made some mistakes with my wife, with my parents when I was a little kid. When I, You know where you just go, listen, I got no explanation. I'm sorry. Please just have mercy on me and, I, and I'll be better moving forward. I, mm. I, I get that. I mean, there's there's some degree of – humility i guess in that approach but there was nothing to me that just thought wow this is a great argument this is good for him. and and and, and oh, man you know the whole admission of i didn't do my online usada training which i gotta think usada is gonna be pissed off about now let's be honest it's probably 99 percent of the roster doesn't do their own usada training if they have managers they probably handled it for them but yeah. i don't know man i was watching on a stream and of course because of that i was I was watching Twitter as well, so I was seeing the comments. And, and, you know, just like watching a fight, there's a different feel between being cage side than there is watching on TV or being in the back or whatever. So I just I wanted to pick your brain real quick on that, kind of what feel you got from that and what you expect to see moving forward with John Jones. Yeah, I uh, 
I mean, b- being right there in person, I was literally sitting like like five feet from him when all this was happening. Look, at the end of the day, I I, I think that um, what was going to happen was going to happen, man. He mm. was going to get his license revoked and he was going to get fined because he doesn't he can't account for the substance being in his body. So if if you if you don't have a defense, and you know that, then you have to be anticipating certain types of questions. And I felt like John Jones was not prepared to answer those questions. And what, where the blame lies as to, is it on John? Is it on his uh, management team? The attorney himself? The attorney, Howard Jacobs, who, is, who has a very good good uh, track record when it comes to this. Like, like, look, you don't have a defense. So smart people would acknowledge that and be like, we don't have a defense. So... Uh, we're gonna go in and we're we're gonna basically say like like look we can't account for this, but here's why, like, and John kind of did that, but he did that in almost a naive way where he didn't really like expect any cross examination, right? Yeah, and and so that I think that was the big failure. I, I, he was going to get his license revoked if you can't account for a, a banned substance in your body, you're going to get your license revoked. You're going to get fined. So so that's gonna happen. The question is, can you spin it into a positive public reaction or a negative public reaction? And and I I don't think he he had a positive public reaction whatsoever because he just was not prepared to answer any of those questions. Did it feel wa- in, did it feel uncomfortable in the room? Did it feel I mean, did it feel awkward? Well, you know, I will say that I thought John handled himself relatively well because a couple things stood out about about that hearing. One is that John, just like the last time. When he when he got um, suspended for the two anti estrogens, you you got you got the strong feeling from John that he only cared about, um, and I shouldn't say only because of course he cares about how long he's suspended, but he cares if people know or not whether he was he was intentionally cheating or it's not. True. You're right. And he was like almost obsessed with like reminding people like, hey, USADA found out. You know, the arbitrator said that. I didn't cheat. I was right. just reckless, and he was like almost obsessed with, with right. saying that. And at the, at that hearing, for at the hearing for this positive drug test, it was all, it was very similar, and it reminded me of that because he was like, I, I don't know where this came from, and I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. And so that's almost all he cared about. So I, I thought he handled himself like pretty well when it comes to that because he never wavered from that. Um, but again. Even if that is your stance and that is what you truly believe and that is what you want to convey to people, you still have to anticipate certain questions being asked of you, and he was not prepared for those. And so when those questions came, then it got awkward, and he he kind of got a little bit um, – you could tell he was getting like a little bit testy, and he was getting right. sick of these guys asking him personal questions and like bringing up his past and this or that because – in John's mind, it's just very as simple. It's black and white as did I cheat or not? Right. Did I try to cheat or not? And and I didn't, you know. And, and and it's like, yeah, that that is the crux of this matter, John. But it it is also like if you can't account for that substance substance in your body, then your past is going to come up, and you need to be prepared to answer those. Yeah, questions. I agree. I t- I saw a lot of people that were like, I can't believe the CSAC is asking these type of questions or whatever. But to me. I, granted, it's not a court of law or whatever, but if 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 your defense is I have no defense, I don't know what happened. 
then of course the other side is going to lay out a pattern of behavior, right? I mean, that's right. that's natural. I mean, because yes, that's your defense. Exactly. It's your word. It's yeah. your word. Exactly. You'd love to have the incident be on trial, quote unquote, air quotes there, so to speak. But if there is no real argument, then it's your character at that point, right? Yeah. It's 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 like, hey, you know me. I wouldn't do something like this. And yeah. I just I, I hate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate their line of question, and I appreciate that it, it seemed hard at times. And we've heard uh, Pat Lundvall try to be oh. the the bad girl, the hardball oh. at times, and it just comes across weird and awkward. Most people always attack Pat, but the way that the commissioner asked the questions. People are like, oh, okay, that's a legit question. That's a good question. Other than the Stephen A. Smith discussion. Well, that's a whole <laughs> other story. That was so awkward and that weird. I'm sure you as an ESPN person <laughs> appreciated that. But I like the fact that when they, they asked the question, she asked a pointed question, just wanted them to explain. Even the fact when, you know, it got a little weird, but it was like, all right, uh, well, tell me how you've changed. Give me examples. You know, and he'd say something. No, but, but give me specific examples. You know, I liked how they pushed on him because it, it got to a point where they're like, "All right, you're speaking in generalities. You're 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 telling us you've changed. You're telling us you're becoming a new person. How? Mm-hmm. How has that changed?" And even I appreciate the fact that they're like, "Have you thought about management change? Have you thought about maybe changing the fact of who you surround yourself around?" And it felt to me when I watched it that it was the lawyer and him had talked on the phone. And said, all right, I know you have a reputation. Management probably found this lawyer for him and said, this guy's good. He's got a good track record. But he is. Howard Jacobs is well yeah. known. And it just felt field. like they were like, all right, John's like, I don't want to do an open statement. I don't want to do whatever. Can you just ask me questions? Can yeah, I? What was that all you know, about? Can you just do it? He yeah. didn't have a statement. Yeah. He didn't have an opening statement. It was weird. It was weird. I, I thought maybe he would come and at least had felt like he had thought about it. Whether even that morning on the plane ride or the hell, the, the even train, off the even off the cuff, man, you just, just like, come sl- speak from your heart, you yeah, know, speak and, from and your to heart. not be able to speak from his heart and have to be like, uh, I'm not sure where to begin. Can you ask me questions? Then it felt like okay, it's been somewhat scripted in in the sense of what he was going to do, but it also just felt like and there they might, didn't practice. There it. might be some people out here listening to this podcast saying like, oh, what's the big deal? You know, John Jones is like. Uh, you know, I hi guys. Like I have nothing to hide. Ask me any questions. There, there are probably some people out there listening to this right now. Who are just like, well, what's the wrong with that, dude? You have an opportunity. Like everyone wants to hear from you, John. Yeah. You, you can bring up like scientists and 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 whatnot. God, how but, hard was that to deal with being in the room? Like being well, me being well, able to like is, tune it up. That was so is, hard to is watch. That you, the scientists, like, you don't have anything to say, man, mm-hmm. because you didn't find you didn't find a Tatum supplement. So anything that you say is all just speculation anyway. The first hour of that hearing was completely worthless because it was just like, oh, well, right. we, we think that this might happen or that might happen. Well, it's all speculation. So it's so hard up. to watch. We just so want to we want to hear from John. And when John yeah. gets up there and his like, dude, your career is on the line. You are the greatest fighter of all time, and you don't have an opening statement. Not good. Yeah. Like you haven't thought about this more than an hour. <laughs> like uh, you couldn't, you couldn't come up with something. I, I do. I think you saw. I think you saw it gives a minimum of two years. All right. So here, here's but, what. But I, did you feel it was weird? I mean, I, I don't know. The the worst, the the part that freaked me out was the fact that the commission, besides revoking his license, didn't impose their, anything else besides a huge hefty fine. Right. I thought that the, that they would have at least tried to make sure that a minimum time had been set for the for me to for them to be like, well, we'll see what USADA says. 
just felt to me like there was a lot well, of behind-the-scenes talk that had happened. Even the commissioner, or I'm sorry, the, the guy that came out and put his recommendation for punishment, I felt there were a lot of behind-the-scenes conversations that happened because the guy could have went a lot harder. For well, him Andy, to be like, let me just come out and say, and, and I like the guy. Yeah, you're talking about Andy yeah. Foster, who, who is a guy that, by the way, is very, I mean, one of the most committed and professional yeah. and, and proactive guys out there. And you know, and, and you know what, I'll, I'll let Brett answer this one, and then I want to get to something else with Brett. But, I mean, because Brett, I I think, to be honest, if I remember looking on social media, I think somebody asked you point blank, what do you think is going to happen? And you were like, fine, and revocation. And this was like before anybody started talking. So you nailed it on the head. Cole Coffee saying, listen, I, I feel like this was probably set ahead of time. Obviously not going to ask you to uh, reveal your sources or anything like that. But um, do you feel pretty much – because I think you even – just now you said, listen, what was going to happen was going to happen. So you feel like that was pretty much a, a predetermined thing regardless of what was said there? Yeah, unless unless John came up with with some crazy um, – because because I, I, I knew – just just speaking to people who were around this case, I knew that uh, – it did. Let's just say this. It did not surprise me that Andy Foster came out at the end and said, "I believe that." And look, I don't think anybody wants to come down on John Jones. I think that's what we're th- we're talking about. And so, for for your point, cold coffee, to say that it surprised me that they didn't put put on a a um, specific time frame. I don't think anyone wants to be the guy, be the bad the, guy, the body that comes down on John Jones because I do think that there is a lot of people, experts. All the experts that I've talked to who say it doesn't look like he was actually trying to cheat. Like if, if he if he was cheating, then he actually then he got terrible terrible advice and he's an <laughs> idiot. You know that, that that's that's kind of what yeah. it, what it comes down to, and and so n- no one really wants to be the organizational body or the regulatory body that 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 hands puts him on the shelf for two years or four years. years. Yeah, John stops Jones. A person from so I, I think California. Kept their options open. They revoked their li- his license. He can reapply for a year. They could it, turn him down if they wanted to. Exactly. It just keeps all their options open. Right. And so they kind of like give it to USADA. And so now we'll see what USADA does. And I agree with you that that I think it's more than likely two years. I kind of thought less than that um, before the hearing. But I think once you go out in a public hearing and it's just you you offer nothing. Right. You offer no defense. Then And it's the second time you've offered no defense. I mean, not the. I mean the dick pills or whatever. Not that that was no defense, but it's a very flimsy. Like yeah. uh, you know, it, it shows to show a pattern. It shows that you're careless and reckless. Yeah, it, it shows, shows a that you're careless and recklessness. And recklessness. So let, let, let's let's answer the question that really everybody wants to know: When is John back, and who does he fight? Two year fine or two year suspension, and he fights Brock Lesnar, who still has suspension to serve too. So he fights Brock. Um, so the uh, I guess the it'd be suspension Jul- starts in August of be July 2017. Yes, it would be August 2019. That's a long way away. That is a long ways away. It is, Jeez. but when you think about it, when you think about what the the pattern, what could be, when we've thought that the, the, the there could be a four-year, to think that we can still see him before the end of yeah. next year I think doesn't seem like a long time. I think time. four years would be too much, but I do I do think two years. The fact that John Jones and Alexander Gustafson is not have not fought again is probably in my top three of tragedies in this Criminal, story. right? Oh, my God, what yeah. a great fight. All right, so here's what I want to ask you, Brett. After that hearing, and I've started to see a little bit of it moving, but I feel like after that hearing it increased even more so. I feel like among the MMA media, there's this new thing where it's like, basically almost shitting on MMA drug testing, like saying, like, we don't need this. This is silly. This is dumb. I, and, and I'm not saying this is the majority of people, but I, I feel like it's a more pervasive 
attitude, a more pervasive opinion than it's been before, that like we don't need to be drug testing. And and granted, I'm a little slow to change sometimes. Maybe I'm kind of a purist again. I was the guy that hated Brock Lesnar coming to the UFC. Now, 10 years later, I'm okay with it. Um, but to me, and I, I've always said this, and maybe it's an old-fashioned point of view or whatever, but I've always said, like, listen, I really don't care if you shoot shoot up drugs to hit a ball over a fence. I really don't care if you shoot up drugs to ride a, a, a bicycle as fast as you can. I don't care. But in a sport that at the end of the day is hand-to-hand combat, as much as we you know, try to push that aside sometimes, try to push that rhetoric to the side, and try to say that this is a sport, which it is, it is still hand-to-hand combat at the end of the day. And I feel like I get it, man. People are always going to push the envelope, push the envelope, push the envelope. But I do feel like limitations need to be set. Am I, am I silly and old-fashioned? Am I, am I silly for not coming around to like, hey, maybe we just need to understand if we get guys that are juiced to the gills, who cares? Because we're seeing the best athletes we can. I don't know. Well, I would say that I don't think you want to see sports in general, all those sports, become tainted with whatever. Because I think there is the ultimately – you want to see athletes. I think that's what makes great athletes stand out is the fact that you can be clean and still rise to the sport. I don't think you're promoting the fact that you want cycling to become fully no, juiced to I'm the gills. It doesn't but, matter but I get it. This is life and death. When if, it comes yeah. to, to hand-to-hand skills, it's life or death. It can you want, be. You, it, it I mean, can I hate be. to say that, but it right. can be. I always think like Ivan Drago and Rocky. Right. Rocky was the clean guy, and everybody was like so – everybody was so enwrapped and so like, I want the good guy to win. I think that's what this sport – even as much as others, you want the clean athlete. You want the real guy that's put all the blood, sweat, and tears in it to be the guy that overcomes and that wins the day. Well, I just want to make sure that it's a it's a level playing field. <laughs> I right. think I think if we're being completely honest, yeah. The the biggest the biggest fear is that someone gets hurt and then someone pops. Right. That's right. probably the biggest. And let's let's that could, and that that is let's just be honest. It's fear. not someone hurts. It's someone dies. Yeah. And the other guy pops. I think I think actually if if we're being if all the cards are on the table and we're being honest with ourselves, I think that's that's probably what the biggest need is for for drug testing is right. is, is because guys cheat the sport. guys cheat in every sport, but we're we're dealing with a sport where someone could die. And if someone dies and then someone fails a drug test, well, then then yeah. then then we're 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 out of business. Right. Thank goodness, at least there's you know? there's good referees. There's people that step in. If somebody becomes in- incapacitated, the great thing about this sport is that a ref's job will stop the shit from going further. But there is still the degree that if somebody is juiced to the fucking gills against somebody that's clean, and if it, it is giving them an advantage that they could disable their opponent Man, and it make ain't it up to, to the, the point, referee. It's, 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 it's one awkward slam, and one guy lands on his head, and he's dead. Yeah. You know? That's it, and I just I I I you know again I don't want to. But that can still I'm, happen with clean athletes. I don't. It can't. But it I, can I don't want to think clean, I'm old-fashioned. But old it would suck I, that if it was dirty. I get it, man. People are gonna do the best thing. I understand. Like, why why is it that you can take, you know, certain protein powder? Like, why is it that you can do certain things and not other things? I, mean, I get it, man. All that is very complicated, and I feel like I feel like USADA needs to be way more transparent than they are. I feel like they're not doing necessarily yeah. the best possible job. I feel like they need to be way more transparent than they are. I feel like right. they need to be more open and honest to us and, and more forthcoming and everything that's out there. I feel like sometimes it's like trying to get behind this wall or whatever. And I know it's, it's frustrating. It's like they're trying to keep their 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 payee, their payer happy. <laughs> I, I get it. And 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 uh you know Cynthia Calvillo popping positive for marijuana. Like come on man, I don't care I don't care if somebody yeah. smokes weed. I mean 
I feel like there are changes that need need to be made. I feel like this thing needs to continue to develop, and 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 it needs to get better and better. But I, I feel like th- there's this like attitude that's starting to seep up through the cracks a little bit. That's like, bro, we need to get rid of Usada. This is silly. This is bad for the sport. And I don't feel that way. I, I feel, feel like feel it's still necessary. I don't feel that way either. But. Um uh, man, there's n- <laughs> we're talking about issues where there's no right answer. You thought you were just yeah. gonna come drink a couple of ballast points and hang I, out. I, right? I thought so, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna text John and be like, hey, man, you want to have a couple beers again? Because we uh, get into these. You want to like, day com- drink and solve the world complicated? Yeah, we're we are solving some complicated shit here. <laughs> There, I mean, there's there's not a right answer. You 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 find a guy who who tests positive for trace. I'm talking about trillions of a whatever. Like like we're talking about like 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 finite science here. You found traces of traces of something of a metabolite of a of a banned substance. We're not even talking about you found the banned substance. Oh, you found the, you found a steroid in this guy's system. No, you found trillions of amount of a stero- of a tr- of a metabolite of a steroid. Right. You know, but th- there's not a there's not a great answer to that. Like, yeah, you found it, and so now you have to go into this process. I think I think uh, probably the best the best thing is. Make the process of appealing it as easy as possible, as cost-effective as possible. You've you've been found of having this or that, you know. Yeah, bro. What about it the, costs money the, to the, the, the to Russians do this that were out ten grand and and oh my, you know what I mean? That's tough. At the end of the day, I still think this sport is better off with Usada than than not. There you go. I yep. think I think that if if a major injury happens, that it's better to say, hey. We 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 ponied up all the millions of dollars to do this. I think what Bellator is doing by ignoring this and and quite frankly, kind of running in the face of it, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, it still reminds me of the of the Kimbo Slice situation, mm-hmm. um, where where he was he was scheduled to go fight in 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 London, even though he had been found of a banned substance. Like that is bullcrap, and eventually, you just hope that that does that 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 doesn't end in a tragedy that Bellator then has to answer for. But I think UFC is doing the correct thing. However, there are very, very, very legitimate complaints about the USADA program and the length of time it keeps you out and uh, the cost that goes into it. Mm-hmm. The time it I takes don't know. to return I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer yeah. is. But it does seem that. better to have it because, I mean – I think of anybody out there complaining the fact of, oh, I was really looking forward to this card and so-and-so fighter got popped and now I can't get it and I'm so pissed off that they exist. I just wish they would go away. That's a chicken shit. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's nah. just bullshit because at that point, you know, you even listening or as an enter- – just want entertainment – got to still realize that these are people, these are real lives that are involved in this sort of thing. And like you said, you want an even playing field. You want to have some legitimacy to what is going on. Yet yeah, sucks. A fight might get called off. And, and as for like the punishments and time length, that's a whole other thing that's for people much smarter than myself. But for the fact that there needs to be somebody that's at least paying attention to, to, to look at the athletes that are going in there. If you're willing to go in there and, and, and go mano a mano or womano versus womano, you know, what? and have have, totally a, have, some, totally have right. something, some somebody across from you. You want at least to understand that the person opposite of you has 
done the right things and done the legit things and so that you're on an even playing field. I think with the greatest thing about martial arts, you know, you, you test yourself to a certain level and you want it to, to be you want it to be about that, not just an entertainment level that is basing on why these people are able to do what they do and all the rules. You made a great point. At the end of the day, if you're a twenty year old coming into the UFC, do you feel like you're on a more even playing field than you were ten years ago? Do you feel Absolutely. like, oh, I have to take steroids in order to be competitive? Right. No, you probably don't, and and I, that's 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 a positive. Right? I agree. Yeah. All right, listen, I should say, if you like what you're listening to right now, which you should because, I mean, Brad Okamoto in this bitch just handling business. Right? That's what's up. What you should do, you should go to iTunes. You should, like, search frantically to find Five Rounds Podcast. It's not easy to <laughs> it's find. It's not that hard no, to find. I'm just kidding. It ain't you, that hard You to should find. subscribe to his podcast, of course, and then, of course, Along the way, you should make sure you subscribe to the MMA Roadshow. Do us a favor. Give us a few likes. Uh, leave us some feedback if you want. I'm sure Brett would say the same for five rounds as well. I will say this. We're also doing something a little different this week. We're launching Patreon.com. We've, yeah. we've talked about it. We've, we've, we've made the decision. We've discussed or in French, it. that would be Patreon. <laughs> Maybe it up. is. <laughs> uh, listen, bottom line is this. Uh, Patreon. That sounds so, like fancy for the past three years the content here has always been free and it's going to continue to be free i don't want to charge people for content uh we are just uh, a couple of idiots with a frosty beverage uh and some mma talk uh so i, I don't want to charge anybody for that but i will say this there are costs behind the scenes there, there are things like uh you know buying the equipment as we we're talking about the, the, the headphones that we use are 600 headphones which There's are some nice headphones they're nice but they're it makes sure that though. it makes sure right aren't they comfortable <laughs> and the sound quality is nice and we want to get another one we want to get another one so we could have two guys we could have we could have four people on a round table that's something we want to do uh just doing things like hosting the website itself hosting uh the podcast on different servers uh being able to it, it costs money we want to do upgrades we want to do things like video man like if, if you wanted to see right now what it's like at the casa de cold coffee we could have that. That's right. That but would it, be a super, super expensive. Yeah, but more, more probably when we're on the road is probably what yeah. you'd rather see. Like you don't want to see my living room. More far-flung destinations. <laughs> but we want to do that. Uh, it costs money. And so, we're, listen, we, 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 we're, we're going to keep the content free. But if you happen to love the show and, and you're willing to dig deep into your pocketbooks and give us a couple bucks a month, we would really appreciate that. Uh, and I promise you we will work hard to, uh, to earn every dollar that you contribute to us. What you can do, go to uh, www.patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Nice and, and easy uh, to remember. Nice and easy to remember. I will put a link on the website as well. You know, like this has just been coming together. We've been talking about this for, it feels like forever. Mm -hmm. We thought about the idea to do it, and today we finally really squared it up. And I'll, I'll put a link on our website um, and so make it easy for you guys to, to link to this. But, you know, it's one of those things that we never thought we wanted to do, but ultimately I think it's one of those things. It just helps because we want to find a way to make things better. Um, we throw things together what we can with what we do. That's how we do it. It's not like we'd ever charge for what we do. I mean, that's not what this is about. That's not about taking the and-a-half shows, even though it's been suggested to put those behind a paywall, which makes a lot of sense. But that's also we know the shit that you guys love, and we don't want to take the shit that you guys love away from what's free and whatever. But it's about making things better. Man, I would love to have – I was telling John, I would love to have one of those 360 cameras so I could sit in front of us. So while we're sitting in whatever random last location in whatever fucking country we happen to be in, mm -hmm. you could watch a stream and talk all the bullshit, even the stuff that never makes it to a show, but be able to just scroll and see around the bar, see around whatever hotel room. And we, and we can have live whatever. interactions And we can have live interactions and, and stuff. And that's hopefully what we're driving to. Yep. And whether or not you want to pull your wallet, it out will probably still drive towards that way regardless 
But uh, you guys have always been great, and, and it's for you that we do this stuff, and it's for you that we lose all the fucking sleep in the world <laughs> and all the stuff when we go to the airport, but it would be great. Uh, so this is just another way that we reach it out. I mean, this is not us saying, like, you guys have to do this, but for those of you that have reached out to us and said, is there any way we can help out with the show, this is a way for you guys to help out. So we, we set this up today. And uh, it is now live, so feel free to uh, hop on there. And, there you uh, go, patreon.com slash the MMA Rojo. And we, we, you'll see some things. People that, are, people that are committed to the family, trust me, we're going to take care of them, all right? We're going to yeah. do things. We're going to let them help direct the show at sometimes. Like, this is a freebie here because he got in before the patreon.com. But my man Jay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I don't know his last name here, but it looks like Gaziulo. It's – is he Italian? I don't know. It's just it's, it's it look, <laughs> I, I just threw that out there. But listen, he had this question, and I thought this was an interesting question. And he sent it to me a couple weeks back. I wanted to get you guys' take on this. Now check this out. On episode 152, you mentioned that people often make the point that being on the UFC roster doesn't mean as much as it used to be. Now that there are 500 ro- uh, fighters on the roster, so you know when you say that's a UFC level guy, right? Like that used to mean something. But he says this. Given that overall skill level has risen and the strategy has evolved so much, you could make the case that the quality of fighter at the bottom of the roster is comparable. Most guys who make it to the UFC now are very, very well-rounded. The gyms they come from have advanced leaps and bounds. They or their coaches have had the benefit of having watched thousands of high-level fights to refine strategy and technique. Do you think fighter number 492 on the roster now would give, say, fighter 98 from 2006 a good fight? I think UFC level has stayed about the same, but more and more fighters are now able to clear the bar. Having more fighters certainly makes for a more watered-down product, but it's because we can only pay attention to the top X number of fighters regardless of how many there are on the roster. I thought this was kind of an interesting question, right? Because, you know, in the, in the past, you say, oh, that's a UFC level fighter. That's a UFC level fighter. Now, it's, it's, it's not as exclusive of a club, right? Like, I mean, it's not... 80 guys or 100 guys or 120 guys. You know, I mean, now it's 600 guys and girls, I should say. I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just being yeah, fast. Yeah, which in the you way. shouldn't because today, by the way, this could prop to the ladies, International Women's Day. Yes, I think you. there was probably a point mm-hmm. that the UFC decided to release that fight announcement today mm-hmm. because it is so, yes. Cyborg we Pennington, give, we're all looking forward yeah. to it. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to give props to the ladies. Uh, thank you, Age and H. Uh, to the to the ladies in our lives, but uh, well, yeah, good that so, I ditched my wife all day. Good good, good call, Morgan. <laughs> I did well. All right, so so what do you guys think? I, I just thought this was kind of an interesting topic because I have some some people say that like to to say a guy is a UFC level fighter. You know, if, if a guy comes in and gets his cup of coffee in the UFC or whatever, like it doesn't mean anything anymore. And I think this is interesting. You know, the guy that's at the very bottom of the roster versus the very bottom of the roster in 2006 is probably a hell of a lot better fighter. There, there's no question about. It. So. Does UFC level fighters still have any meaning to it? Nah, who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> the who Aloha cares? Scobins are flowing for Brett. Throw, throw <laughs> whoever you want on a UFC on a UFC uh, fight card. I mean, <clears throat> it's still from a casual perspective, it, it means something. If someone's right. in the UFC, you expect something out of them. But uh, we know, as as people who who follow the sport very closely, that. Uh, UFC caliber is a very gray area. Right. I yeah. mean, is is CM Punk a gray area? And you always hate saying that because Gosh, you're like, I, I, I don't I don't want to crap on CM Punk. That was a very very specific situation in which, yeah, his his debut needs to be on 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 a big scale and it's money making. But but what is what is uh, what is UFC caliber? UFC caliber has reached the point of 
Um, well, we may need a guy on seven days notice. Well, we want to sign this person because we want to have them under contract, even though they're not ready to face the top mm. because we need we to get them under contract because if we don't get them under else. contract, then they're going to end up in somewhere else. So UFC caliber is a relative term. It means whatever the whatever you want it to mean. Quite frankly, it does. That's a good point. I didn't really think. I about will that. say this though: take the take the, and I don't want specific names, so don't. <laughs> oh, it's probably CM Punk. Take the worst guy on the roster. For, you know what? Take CM Punk out of the equation. That's not fair because he's not a lifelong. He's like yeah. He's like he's yeah. like he's a, a special asterisk. He is. I, listen, and he is. And and Brad, I think. I mean, we've been. I mean. You'll probably agree with me, right? Like CM Punk's a nice dude. Like he's a good, yeah. he's a good dude. I I am a CM Punk fan. I am too. Yeah, I, I am. am. All right, so take him out of the equation. He's a special equation. T- take take the wor- whoever you think the worst guy in the roster is. Just don't say anything. Just put it in your mind, right? <laughs> don't say anything. Don't don't be that guy. Don't okay. let the, don't let the sculpins be talking. All right, <laughs> the worst guy in the roster. And then think back ten years ago. Whoever the worst guy on the roster there is, right? Like, I mean, the worst guy on the roster today, even though it's a, you know expanded five or six fold. Kicks that dude's ass from 2006, right? Or 2008, Jesus Christ. Well, I, I at least think that when you top to bottom look at the roster now, there's certainly a lot more fighters now that would fit under the category of well-rounded. Mm-hmm. I think when it started, you had people that were specialists. People, this was a jiu-jitsu guy. This was your your uh, striking guy. You know, now the, the, the level of a person entering the UFC, I think, has reached a point where – you have a certain level. You have a certain level of competency when it comes to fighting. Even look at the latest tough. The latest tough. Granted, they, they, they stretch for areas and things they want to look at. The latest tough was about undefeated fighters. Right. They were hoping for, I think, six fights. But I think there were some people that got in as low as three undefeated fights, but that was, like, maybe questionable or whatever. So I definitely think that, yes, while there is – and it's not like they're, like, oh, roster number 498. It's not like they – they have an internal like right. banking order of number one to, to 520. That's not how they do it. They just fill the roster based on uh, depending on the weight class. And even then, then they start doing their own little internal ranking. So it's not like 498 can beat number 16 because that's not the same thing. You know, it would never be that particular way. But the overall level right now, the fighters that are coming in are at, at such a higher level. That's just the nature of the sport. That's just the nature of the Bro, fact that Alexander it's been around. Hernandez the other night. That dude that came in. Right? Like, <laughs> and this is a guy that did, like, uh, life insurance or, or mortgaging. He was, like, a loan originator or some crazy shit. Please I mean, don't it, ever let me meet that dude in a dark it's alley. It's unreal. But he can <laughs> fucking get you a deal on some <laughs> fucking was, houses or something. I mean, it's it's unreal, the, the people that are coming in. So I think there is still something to the fact of whether there is this quote-unquote UFC caliber because I think there's a level where they expect oh, people to come in. It's shattered. If Demi Lovato was like, "Hey, you know, I, I train on the weekend." Oh, you put her in, and I want I want to try a fight. You don't yeah. think Demi Lovato could get it? Could you put that's the thing. The there is definitely still that entertainment side. I think they've gotten away. I think we realize when the way that these fights come up and the, there's the entertainment value, we've gotten away from it being a pure sport. That mm-hmm. happened a while oh, ago. Oh, it happened I think a maybe long time ago. maybe a while back. I maybe that's this. when the roster was back. The, the way you think about UFC caliber has to change. The way you think about UFC caliber now is that I would that totally ar- watch Demi Lovato fight. By the way, she's yeah. fucking hot. Yeah, I would too. God damn it, I would. I would too. But but the way the way you think about UFC I caliber, she refused a picture with my wife. She she was training at Extreme Couture and she was she was rolling she was rolling. But that's that's you and, can't and so she was kind of sweaty and stuff. And I get it. She was self conscious. I don't even like pictures of myself when I'm like. But I'd be like, bro, I'm in the dude. gym, yo. But she wouldn't she wouldn't take a picture with my wife. So picture time off. Demi Lovato. He, Okay. Anyway, sorry. Answer, to answer me sorry. this. Hold on. Wait. <laughs> answer me this. 
Is is any famous person not UFC caliber? Well, yeah, as you said, they it's got to be, be what well, you mean by UFC caliber. I don't want to see Meryl Streep. Does, does that mean that? Fight. Does that mean Meryl that they shouldn't fight? When you say are they UFC caliber in terms of <laughs> talent level? But somebody would pay for that. No, they're not talent <laughs> level. But are you saying that you wouldn't put them in? Because I, I will agree at this point. Like for instance. The, the Floyd Mayweather discussion, I could give a sh- – I mean, do Floyd Mayweather would get embarrassed, and that's why he's never going to do it. But if he's saying, like, I'll take a UFC fight, hell yeah, put him in the UFC. Yeah, because if he fights CM Punk, we would all fucking love to watch oh, that fight. Any, any famous person is UFC caliber at this point. Well, and that's just the that's just the reality right. of the world we live in. It's true. Right. Any famous person is UFC caliber, but I think I think like like for, from a functional standpoint of what we're talking about, what is UFC caliber? UFC still still employs the best fighters in the world. Yes. So, I mean, I guess that's is that what we're talking about? You know, UFC still has the best depth, the best talent. They have the best. They they are they are the gold standard. So if that's what we're talking about, then that's an easy question to answer. They are still the gold standard. But anybody who has more than like hundred thousand followers on Twitter, UFC is caliber, is UFC caliber. <laughs> yeah, so true, so true. Which is sad, sad but true. So Which is sad, but it's right. sad because it's one hundred percent true. You said the Demi Lovato thing, and that's outrageous. And you, oh, you haven't said sounds... a word since I said that. You've just been thinking about Demi Lovato fighting nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> non-stop but that's the kind of thing that it, and it's it's shitty because i never thought about it but the fact is that if she because she loves mma if they decided oh we're gonna put emmy lovato against or bellator will probably do this i mean demi lovato versus heather hardy who wouldn't fucking watch it and that sucks because that's a reality oh, that, that could happen we're all tuned in but that's it i mean yeah. this is look it's it's spectacle over sport yes there's a sporting aspect to it but it is spectacle and it is about eyeballs and it is about what's going to bring the most yeah. eyeballs to it so I, I don't think you ever part. i don't i don't think you ever want to get total that way you still have to employ the best fighters and i think that's that's the challenge but at yeah. the end of the day you're right all right last question before we can put this, this up is like the heaviest episode oh, no. are we wrapping ever up? Are we i know, I know you're like Bro, are we, we, can, we still get, <laughs> we need we need to get you a drink man we- brett akimoto tell me this because I see it in our comment section, and I and I see the people that get angry, but yet I also see the clicks. <laughs> How long, okay, do we keep covering Ronda Rousey as mixed martial arts journalists? How long and how much more do we cover of Ronda Rousey's career and what she's doing and where she goes and what her next movement is? Are, do we do we write her off and we say, listen, her time? Is done. How long do we keep going? Well, the uh, the journalist in me who wanted to be a sports journalist since I was ten years old, and who went to college and paid money for for a, an education, and cares about sports journalism, it's over. Right, I, n- we're done now. But. The sports journalist who lives in the world that we live in now, where uh, clicks matter and advertisement dollars matter and traffic matters, I don't know. You know, may- maybe we uh, continue to cover her career for, I don't know, as long as it goes. I mean, I, I would imagine that uh, the interest will wane as far as uh, mixed martial arts fans are concerned. Like my interest has waned. Right. I, I'm, I'm happy for her, but I'm not. I don't really care. What, but what, when you guys put up stuff on ESPN.com right now, it still delivers massive traffic, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, honestly, man, that that that's a 
that's a great question to uh, to ask after we've been sitting here drinking ballast points all night, all day. Like, <laughs> if you if you want my honest opinion, now like, we're uh, done. That's, that's that's part of what I don't like about sports journalism anymore is that we ha- we're, we're like slaves to um, to what to traffic right to what's going to get clicked. to what uneducated people who don't really actually care about this sport want to read about. Uh, apparently, um, I. I I'm happy for for Ronda Rousey and whatever she does in her WWE career. I, I don't care. As, as soon as she comes back to to UFC, if she ever does, then I will care. But what it, what she does in WWE, I I couldn't care less. So you're not looking forward to her and Kurt Angle versus Triple H and uh, what I do want to what I do want to know <laughs> is she's never answered any of these questions. So Why? that okay, I don't want all right. So I don't want to take any shots at uh, your ESPN colleague Ramona Shelburne, but Ramona Shelburne, I think. As far as I, I would not consider her a mixed martial arts reporter, I, I understand that she yeah. has covered a couple of UFC events and she and she has a good relationship with Ronda and she's done interviews, but I don't think that if, even if Ronda said, "Listen, open book, you can ask me anything you want. Let's do it. Let's knock it out." Uh-huh. I don't think that she would necessarily understand all the questions that we want answered that the, that the MMA fan wants answered. So let me ask you that: Is that still a venture? Because I will say, I'm not going to lie. Even as me, who I will say this. I don't understand the opinion where there's people that are like Ronda owes us. She owes she need no, she doesn't owe us anything. First of all, nobody owes us anything as media. We're there to observe. We're there to be there. But you don't have I to agree. talk to us if you want to take advantage of the platform we provide. Then go for it. But you don't have to. Totally agree. But if but but I will say this: if Ronda would sit down and do one interview where she said, "Listen, I will not no comment anything. I will address anything. I will not take advantage. My hand would be in the air so fast. <laughs> I'd be like, give me that interview. Of course. Um, so yeah, that that's what I would be most interested yeah. in is asking her those questions. You know, like why wh- when you said that that MMA media turned their back on you, what what did you mean by that? I didn't feel that whatsoever at all. And um, maybe why, the MMA comment section. Why are you ashamed? Because you accomplished exactly what you wanted to accomplish. You were a champion in the sport, and you left it in a far better place than it, was, it mm-hmm. ever was. I would love to a- a- ask her those questions. <laughs> and so. Um, uh, that is my interest as far as her WWE career, but, but I don't know how long will MMA Junkie cover <laughs> cover Ronda Rousey's uh. WWE career? John, I got. If, if, I mean, hey. we're, if we're being honest, hey. if, if we're having an honest conversation, I believe that it will it will last a while. Forever. I believe that they will talk about it for a long time. Yeah, no, I agree, dude. <laughs> MMA Junkie is gonna keep talking about it for a long time. Trust me, it still gets views, and and, and and even when people click in just to say "f you, Junkie," which the last bit, like you still click, bro. So we're cool with that, you know. Uh, I'm I'm not as interested anymore. I mean, I I guess maybe like her first. To me, I guess maybe her first actual appearance or something. I mean, like I. I I don't know. Man. Let me ask you a few we questions. Didn't, we didn't. Hey, listen, we didn't go to the to the event the other day. We tried. You know, she was here in Las Vegas, yep, right? She was at T-Mobile. She it down. Yep. And I I reached out to WWE. In fact, I even reached out to some former WWE employees who work with the USC now and said, "What kind of access can we get? Yep. I get it, maybe limited, but can we do two or three minute video, something like that?" And I was yep. told, "No, we can't Denied. have any access." Yep. And so we said, "Well, I mean, so we didn't even go." Yeah. Let me ask you you a few questions. You've been right. asking me a lot of questions. Right. You ready? <laughs> Um, I love this. So, when does Ronda Rousey answer these questions about her career, if ever? Honestly, I think she answers them at some point when she's got a book at like forty years old or something. Like when her when, when her when, when it makes her money. Yes, when it makes her money. When 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 her athletic career is done, her performing career is done, and now she's trying to be on the talk show circuit or something like that. I think that's the first time she answers it. Okay. 
Do you think she ever fights again? No. No, I don't I don't think she wants it anymore. I think she uh, you know, learned that the home fight wasn't a fluke. Uh learned that her heart isn't in it anymore. And uh and good for her because from from all accounts, uh she's pretty frugal with her money and so she's got a bunch of it tucked away and she doesn't need to fight anymore and and she loves this stuff at WWE and she's having fun with it. I mean, we know the stories of when she was a kid, right? And the Hulk Hogan pillow that she used to wrestle with and all that. So, yep. good for her, man. Yeah. Does Conor McGregor fight the winner of Khabib versus Tony? <sighs> Who wins? <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, uh, oh, that's a good question. All right, so listen, I think he should, and I would love to see it. Um, I think that he wants no part of Nurmagomedov, McGregor. Dude, I think that's a horrible matchup for him. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. You know, we, we did that interview last year, the, the famous interview with Dana where he dropped the, you know, you know, Connor told me he wants to fight Habib in Russia, yeah. and everybody's like, "No, he didn't. No, he did." You know, yeah. Connor. Connor's crazy. Connor wants those things. Now the people around him realize, ah, maybe that's not the best thing for you. Um, oh man. Honestly, I think now, especially you know, assuming the fight happens and and he's stripped. I think the GSP fight's the first fight that's out there for him, uh, right? Don't say that, John. That's the first fight that's out there for him. At least there's no – there's no. listen, I'm not going to lie. I didn't like the GSP swooping in to cherry pick Michael Bisping, picking up the 185-pound belt, dropping it, and leaving. Like, dude, I mean, all respect in the world for everything the GSP accomplished, but I hated that entire situation. Exactly, right? Just I, I will – not even show you the hand gesture he made with <laughs> with, with just his right hand that was moving, moving horizontally near his crotch. That's dirty. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? Uh, listen, he's looking for the biggest money fights, and if you can fight an old GSP versus either a Tony Ferguson or a Habib Nurmagomedov who comes off that fight just looking like a beast. I mean, those dudes are monsters. Not to say that Connor's not a monster. I'm not trying to take away from Connor. But Connor is in that uh, that area where he gets to kind of pick and choose things the way he wants based on financial outcomes, and that's what. And honestly, I think financially, the bigger fight is the GSP fight, and and probably less challenging. I mean, in a lot of ways. Connor McGregor is 29 years old. Over under on how many fights he has left in the UFC is set at four. four. What, what would you take? First of all, that's a hell of an over under right there. Oh, I live oh. in Vegas, so I know I know how the books work. Four. All right, so GSP happens. Does Mayweather 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 happen? No, Mayweather nah. doesn't happen. Come on, that's not gonna happen. Four. I go Nate. under. Under. Yeah. Nate trilogy. GSP happens. Nate trilogy happens. And maybe 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 eventually he challenges one other guy to to reset. Maybe maybe Holloway at one fifty five, or maybe. Wow, under four fights. Under four fights. I mean, figure all those are going to be $15, $20 million fights for him, right? I mean, they're not going to be $100 million fights, but they're going to be $15, $20 million fights. He's only going to fight once a year. He's not doing two, three fights a year anymore. Dude, he's doing once a year. They build it up. Yeah, he does GSP. He does Nate Trilogy. I'd feel safe with a push. I'd feel safe with a push. I'd go under, and I'd feel safe with a push. I don't think he does more than four. Does he box Floyd Mayweather again? Nah. No? Who cares? Really? Why do you want to see – you want to see that again? Oh, I don't want to see it again. Right, right, right. But the money's there. <laughs> but the money's there. <laughs> over, you know what's on, over under on boxing matches, one and a half. 
Nah, under, 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 under. under. Definitely under. Because there's not another fight out there that makes sense. There's not another fight that makes sense. All right. Man, any fight makes sense with Floyd, well, with, with Connor. With Connor. No, I agree. I mean, any anybody would be in it, right? But, I mean, how do you sell it? I mean, you, you sold it. It became this massive thing. I get it. I, I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, the fight was fun, right? I hate the idea that, like, I hate the – I hate phrasing it that that Floyd was carrying him the first couple of rounds, but Floyd was definitely willing to give away those first three rounds. You know what I mean? He didn't – he wasn't concerned. He knew. Floyd was never worried. Ever. Not one bit. Like, even in those first three rounds where you're like, oh, my God, Connor just won the first. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, he just won the second. But it still was Connor did very well did very while well. never threatening Floyd. Exactly. So, I, but I just don't see how you – Put that together again. Ah, oh, man. Do, oh, another you boxing put match? It <laughs> you put it together again. No no people, problem. Do people uh, people buy that again? Yes. Ah, you're so right. I mean, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna watch Demi Lovato. You know what I mean? God damn they're right. going to watch CM Punk. They're yep. going to watch Cyborg Pennington. Yep. So, I mean, we're talking about fights there. Yep. It's going to happen. All right. Is your segment over? Uh, I felt like I had more, but then I got depressed when we started talking about uh, <laughs> Connor's future fights. Well, so, I'm yeah. glad you know this I've, is. I've my, lost my train of thought after after eight years in Vegas of of not having a beer together. Now you understand why, because I just was <laughs> going to depress you the whole time. But uh, Brett Akimoto, man, I, I think this was fun. Hopefully, we can do it again. Hopefully, we'll we'll, we'll pick less depressing topics and next time out, we'll have some fun. I mean, I live right down the street from where we're where we're taping this, so yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Should what's the best way to people find the Five Rounds podcast? Is there an easy website they can just go find to? me on Twitter at b okamoto, just like it sounds. Okamoto, O K A M O T O, b okamoto, ESPN. On Twitter, I always uh, pin the latest episode to my oh, profile. There That's you handy. go. That is handy. There you we go. We should do that more often. Fuck. This Light guy's years. got it. He's That's got why he's made it to the extra special podcast network. We haven't. Maybe extra. Spe- oh, extra. You, you network. Like That's, is that what you? Is that <laughs> yeah, what you said? That's what I'm on? going with. That's it took you two hours <laughs> to do it, but extra special <laughs> podcast, podcast network. network. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was waiting for that. That's good. Uh, good times. Good times. All right. Thanks for listening.